Craft Beer Radio, Episode 9, August 11th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week, the Saison, the Belgian Saison style. Belgian Saison is a farmhouse style, is what they call it. It's traditionally brewed in the winter to be consumed throughout summer months. So, I'm drinking it in the summer, so ideally... There you go. It's a good summer beer. You want to make a note right now that we'll be off next week, but we'll return the week after. So With guys, a much requested style, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Yeah, no telling. We hope we'll give you get that style. I imagine we will. Yeah, we'll get that style yeah. for sure. It's, uh, uh, a lot of people have asked us for the style, so we're going to break down and do it. <laughs> first, as is our want, we're going to start off with news. All right. Jeff, beer news? Sure. The first news article that I have for this week is uh, it's a good story from the LA Times. Finally, an article that's telling our side of the story. <laughs> We've been talking about how all these articles about how wine and spirits are taking over beer as the number one thing and they keep growing and beer is shrinking right and no one ever says that the craft beer industry is growing faster than the wine and spirits industry right when they, when the they industry. say beer they assume oh beer means miller light and budweiser <clears throat> but that's not the case it's you know beer is much more than that but not for the people who are writing these stories until right. the L.A. Times comes along. Yep, so they wrote this story, and they actually said that the first quarter of this year, craft beer grew at 7%. That's over twice as fast as wine had grown in the same period. Wine was growing at like 2.3% or something like so that. So the real challenge to beer is beer. Yeah. I mean, if you lump craft beer in with the macro beer, they're still losing market share mm-hmm. because of the sheer volume of the big three. Right. But it's just good to see that these articles are getting out there, that craft beer is going gangbusters. And they're truly the fastest segment of the alcohol industry. And it's good to hear. Craft brewers await the president's signature. This is on the highway bill, right? Yeah, it was part of the Transportation Equity Act. They uh, passed a bill, just waiting for the president to sign it, that just will shorten it down a lot. It's going to cause the craft brewers to have to do less paperwork. That's good. I mean, everyone loves to do less paperwork. To be able to do more time brewing and less time filling out the tax forms and stuff like that to actually sell their beer. But what does this do to the accountants who were hired by the beer companies to fill out those forms? Well, the beer companies that we care about are small enough that it's just a couple-guy <laughs> operation, so they probably don't have accountants except for tax time. Like I said, the article was aimed at brewers spending more time in the right, brewery. Right, So let's work for the brewers. Yay. <laughs> well, it's hard to say because I know this, this bill is also packed with pork. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it is. It's, got, it's like $297 billion bill, something along those lines. And it's uh, it's quite, it's got quite a lot of pork in it. There's like... there's. A couple million dollars that for this bridge in Alaska to be named after the congressman who got it made. Oh, a yeah. million dollar sign for a bridge. Nice. Yeah, or something like that. I, I didn't read the whole thing or I didn't get the whole story, but there's a lot of pork in the bill. But what are you going to do? That's government for you. It's democracy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what the forefathers, the forefathers had in mind when they were homebrewing and writing the Constitution. Maybe, but I don't know if they necessarily had a $400 billion in mind either. Probably not. The next beer story we have is about cans. Cans. This is interesting because uh, there's, there's a lot of bias out there against cans. Especially in our group of people, right. in the craft beer enthusiasts, because they're so used to 
crappy beer coming in cans. Not only that, but there's there's sort of a stigma attached to cans where people think that cans produce a, a less quality, a lesser quality beer. It tastes like metal, things right. like that. Mm-hmm. And you you know you got the whole Keystone ad, which is just bad for craft beer all around. Bitter beer face right. from the cans, and bitter beer actually being bad. No, bitter beer is good. <laughs> it's talking about Oscar Blues Brewery. They put out Dale's Pale Ale, and they have a canning line, so mm-hmm. they're canning their beer. And it actually it just become came available in Pittsburgh. Really? Vicini's is distributing the Dale's Pale Ale now. we got to try that. The article starts out talking about how Cask Brewing Systems from Canada is offering low-cost canning lines. And that's been a big hurdle for these craft brewers because the canning lines... Are expensive. They save you money once you have one, but to get a canning line is very expensive. I see. And this is also one of the reasons why the aluminum... I thought the aluminum bottles were a good idea. I don't know all the details, but imagine if you could have an aluminum bottle that fits in a bottling line... Then mm-hmm. all these yeah. craft brewers that bottling lines could go to aluminum, a more robust package. You could take it backpacking. You could yeah. take it canoeing. You could take it to concerts where you're not allowed to have glass bottles. And they wouldn't have to go for the canning line. So there's two options, and that's assuming that the bottles fit. I never heard one way or the other whether you can use aluminum bottles in a glass bottling line. Right. It's, it's possible. This might add to some confusion, though, because when you go to a, a place that has you know, a, a bottle shop, I don't know if it's called a bottle shop in the first place, but... You, you skip all the cans and you go right for the bottles because, you know, that's where the good beer is. Well, this may not be the case anymore. Yeah, the bottle shops and and um, Dale's Pale Ale from Oscar Blues is going to have to do the job. They're going to put out shelf talkers pointing right. out, hey, the good beer is over here, too. Yeah. You know, that's what they should do. They should have a big arrow sign pointing to their can saying, this is good beer, too. Absolutely. You know, that's the kind of thing they're going to need because... People like us are just going to skip past it because we're used to it. We're used yeah. to not finding anything good in cans. Now, as for the metal thing, it kind of goes back to the story we had talked about before. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but Sam Adams has this sort of uh, beer... Beer Drinker's Bill of Rights. Beer Drinker's Bill of Rights. And they talk right. about how beer should only have barley, barley hops, yeast, and water, and a whole bunch of good things. But to stuck down around 8, 9, or 10 is that beer should only be distributed in glass, no cans, no metal. And that's not true. I mean, one of the reasons they say is because they want to avoid metal taste. Well, the problem is that cans these days all have a water-based polymer inside of them or, or on the lining. So none of the metal taste gets in the beer. The only time you taste metal when you're drinking beer out of a beer in a can is when you're drinking it from the can. Right. And who you does that it, if you're a real beer drinker? If you pour it into the glass, you're not going to get any of that metal taste. And there's a whole bunch of reasons that cans, well, aluminum is a better vessel to store beer in than glass i mean it's basic material science the, the a can made of metal metal is crystalline it's going to get colder a lot quicker it's going to lose heat quicker too yeah it's a conductor instead of an insulator so right. you, you can use it to chill your beer faster that's probably my least important point they don't break True. so you can take them to concerts where they have glass outlawed in the parking lots like at starlight they um and you can take them backpacking canoeing stuff like that where you couldn't take a six-pack bottles of beer of course, and also, at those concerts, you wouldn't necessarily have a glass to pour them into either. I do. Yeah. Well, then... I went to one concert with a bunch of craft beer, and, you know, they had guys walking around. They were undercover police officers. Uh-huh. Our, our amphitheater is out in the middle of nowhere, so we got these country farmers underco- under, <laughs> undercover police officers. And I'm drinking uh, some craft beer, and... Oh, I, I forgot. That's what it was. I forgot cups. So I was actually drinking it out of the bottle. I was drinking yeah. a cop devil out of the bottle. You know, everyone's going to say, blasphemer. <laughs> but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And he came by and he's like, you can't have glass here. You know, I could write you up for that. Fine. You. It's like 700 bucks or something. $700. Retarded like that. 
So I had to go borrow some cups off of people. And, you know, we had to pour the bottles down in the cooler and, and whatnot. But with cans or, you know, glass or with aluminum bottles, you don't have to worry about that. That's true. Another really important point about aluminum vessels is that they're opaque. Light doesn't shine through them. Which is great. And we talked before, and I'm sure you've heard us talking about skunked beer, how when the light strikes the hops, it skunks it. It breaks down the molecules, and it leaves a unpleasant-smelling molecule. And if light can't shine through the vessel, they're not going to get light struck, so you won't have skunk beer. Mm-hmm. So cans are, are in bottle, cans and aluminum bottles are great vessels, and you just have to train yourself now that if you see a good craft beer in a can, it doesn't mean it's going to taste bad. It It's probably been shipped and stored in a better shape than, than its bottles. a bottle counterpart. So it's, it's good to know. And so maybe next time you're at a bottle shop, take a look at the cans. Just see if there's anything interesting in there. You never know. Yeah, we're going to have to try the Dale's Pale Ale since we can get it here now. That's going to be one of the tops of my list. The last story we have is, it's a fun one. Yes. There was um, a guy who was being tried because he bought beer for a 17-year-old neighbor. Which we, we definitely say don't do that. Don't give beer to underage. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> recommend promoting underage drinking. Kids are going to do it anyway. I would vote for a law that lowers the drinking age. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say a law that lowers the drinking age to 18. But I'd also say, I mean, to me, it, it's better if you're going to have underage drinking if it's done under adult supervision than if it's not. If you assume the kids are going to find a way to get beer anyway, right? isn't it better to have it be under adult supervision? Yeah, I think that teaching the kids responsible alcohol use as they're growing up, letting them have beer when they're 14, 15, you know, right. not, not a lot, not get drunk. But let them try your beer. We all respect beer. Yeah. So we're probably going to raise our kids differently than a lot of people anyway. But, you know, I just don't think if you grow them up in a, in a household that has beer used like that, they're not going to abuse it when, they, when they're 18, 17, partying it after high school and things like that. Absolutely. It's another one of those puritanical parts of America where you have this, this ancient alcohol law that says you can't drink above a certain age. I mean, in other countries, in, in France, they let kids drink wine when they're four years old. Yeah, some of those laws are changing a little bit more so they can fit into the mainstream world. But I, you don't see the kind of alcohol abuse you do in right. Europe as you do here. I think if you get if you get children, or not children, but if you get kids, teenagers, to understand good beer from bad beer, then they're probably going to shy away from drinking a whole bunch of really bad or crappy American beer at some party and going to look for something really good. But we got into a little moral lesson there from this funny news story. Yes. So the person bought some MGD for a 17-year-old neighbor. He got off because the prosecutor failed to prove the Miller Genuine draft was indeed beer. Right. Now you may wonder, like, you say, how does that happen? How can, I mean, yes, it's funny to say it's not beer, because it's certainly not what we'd consider good beer. But has it happened? Well, in a court, of course, you have to prove that this substance contains alcohol. You had to prove that what it gave contained alcohol, but they never actually did that. They just said it was Miller Genuine Draft. That doesn't mean anything unless you go through the process of proving that it's also alcoholic. Yeah, the prosecutors are appealing, and they won't make that mistake again. Right. But the story, just the way it is, is hilarious. Funny stuff. I have a link to um, a couple of these news stories on the website, the interesting ones. about. I have the LA Times story, so you can read the whole text of mm-hmm. you know getting the praise, and also the, the one about cans, so you can get the detail about the canning. Before uh, we get into email, do we want to talk about how much people like us? <laughs> we had yeah. over 
740 people download our episode this week. We love it. Thank you. It's up again. It's thank you so much for downloading our episodes. We got some votes on Podcast Alley, and we were up to 92 out of 5,500 podcasts. We're up to 92. We were ranked number 92. Last couple days, we've slipped a little bit. So we promised we wouldn't do this, but we'd ask you, if you don't mind and you haven't voted yet, if you go to podcastalley.com or go to our website, there'll be a link in the show notes, and give us a vote. They ask for your email address, but they don't spam you. I haven't got an email from them yet. Neither have I. And it'll help us out. It'll get us up there, get us more exposed, and we'll get even more listeners. Hopefully promote craft beer to more people. That's what we hope to do. Yep. So thank you, and we're sorry for the uh, shameful shelf promotion. <laughs> On to better things. Email. Got a bunch of email this yeah, week. Yeah, we love getting email. Thanks, guys. As Keep sending them. We love hearing from you guys. I hope I replied to every single person who wrote in. I tried to, <laughs> but for a couple of days there, we were getting inundated. A deluge, yeah. So let's see. The first couple ones here. Oh, the uh, pronunciation gate continues. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, we, yeah, we had a bunch of these. A couple of things that we, we pronounced things wrong. Uh, this first one was uh, we pronounced Portsmouth, Portsmouth. I, is, I might have done that by mistake. I know that Portsmouth, New Hampshire is Portsmouth, but maybe I was reading or I wasn't thinking it came out as Portsmouth. So we're sorry, New Englanders. And that was Mike from Amherst. Uh, Don't hate us like all the Oregonians do. <laughs> <laughs> all the people from Willamette. <laughs> Willamette. <laughs> oh, they're going to throw uh, bricks through my window. This is the third week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Ed from New Hampshire made a reference to Kolsch. We talked about Kolsch. We weren't sure how Yeah, I thought Kolsch... I read one earlier in the day that Kolsch had come from Cologne, and that's what I had read and read right. and read. And then when we were in the show, I saw something that said it was from Köln. And that's the same name. The same thing. I didn't know the name off Deutsch for Cologne. Uh-huh. So that's what it is. Köln is Cologne in German. So there you go. Well, the same as how Munich is München in German. Yeah. He also wanted to know uh, some good reading into beer styles and quality homebrewing recipes and he asked if we had any suggestions and i have two answers i like the clone brew series of books okay they take craft beer like the ones we drink and they make recipes so you get something similar I like those so much because you know close to where you're going to end up before you start it doesn't quite taste exactly the same but sometimes that's i actually like that better like for instance you made a pale ale based off of a sierra nevada clone i think but it I was, doubled the hops. But you doubled the hops. It was it was awesome. It was one of the best pale ales I've ever had. So, yeah, I have both books, the Clone Brews and the North American Clone Brews. And they're great because you can look through them. And they're not all beers that you know. But you get an idea of where you're going when you do a beer you know. We did a uh, Imperial Stout last winter. And I did it mm-hmm. off the Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout recipe. And it, if you were tasting them side by side, you wouldn't say, oh, that's supposed to be the same beer. But at least you know you know what ballpark you're going to end up in. So they're great. Mm. And also another good book that I'm reading through, most of the way through it, and then I got busy with springtime. I got it for Christmas, and I read it a whole bunch. And then, you know, I guess my attention got uh, distracted, but Designing Great Beers Mm. is another really good book. It really gives you the ins and outs of brewing beer. You really learn about the malting and roasting the hops and all about hop. I mean, I said roasting the hops. I said roasting the hops. <laughs> That'd be interesting to try that once and see how it would probably would ruin it all. Probably. But roasting the barley and also using hops, and it goes into all kinds of chemistry about the hop acids. It, it, it melts your brain. It's almost like reading uh, The Elegant Universe from Brian Green. 
<laughs> you know, I want to talk about that. That's something I want to talk about in, in the after show. So, this thing about string theory. I, I meant to talk about that in the pre-show. Okay. We'll wow, we're on show. the same wavelength. Yeah. Stay tuned afterwards for a discussion about <laughs> theoretical physics. Uh, Drew mentions, in a more pronunciation gate, Drew mentions that what we call saws is actually pronounced zots. And I, once he, as soon as I got the email and read it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> Just, you know, when you're doing the show and you've got so much stuff going on, you, that's a problem yeah. that Greg and I have. Been homebrewing, I know, I like to think I know a lot about beer, but a lot of the stuff, my research and stuff I've learned has been on the internet. So you don't know how everything's <laughs> pronounced. But like we have a um, hop in one of the beers coming up. It's the, um, the Stryan Goldings, S-T-Y-R-I-A-N, uh-huh. Stryan, Stryan. I've never heard it pronounced, so I'm not I, sure. I looked at it and I, th- I saw that that's Styrian. Styrian. Okay. But, that makes sense. Yeah. When I first started reading it, you know, how sometimes you glance over letters, and I always thought it was Syrian. And then, uh, you know, you look at it a little bit closer, and you're like, oh, there's a T in there, too. <laughs> so. But it's certainly we, it's not that we, we dislike. In fact, we love getting corrections because it means you guys are listening. And uh, we want to give the best information possible. We can only do that if we have the best information possible. So. Right. Now, the whole why is... Saz actually pronounced Zots. Well, it's also Saz Zots. Zots is a city. It's also Zotic, and the German the Germanic it turns into Zots in the German okay. translation, and it's anglified as S A A Z. Okay. So it's just one of those weird things. So if you see the Saz, remember it's Zots, or you're going to get Zots. a bunch of emails yeah. yelling at you. <laughs> Next email we got was from Douglas. He didn't say where he was from. He's going to the Great American Beer Festival for the first time. He's so excited, and he just wanted to let us know that he looked at other years' results, and there's no best in show. That's too bad. So just the awards per style. Like, but I guess if there's going to be like 500, 600 beers in there, it would be pretty hard to call a best in show, even if you, you – like you said, there are so many different styles that are graded. Even if you pull all those together, you have 20, 30 beers. Right? It can get ridiculous. Yep. John in Lancaster asked us about the huge bottle shop we were talking about, which is D's. Well, actually, I guess we'll put a link to that on the site. Sure. D's, Six Packs and Dogs. Yeah. They're in Regent Square here in Pittsburgh, and it has over 900 beers. So it's a nice big bottle shop. He's coming in town to watch the Steelers whoop the Eagles. <laughs> I think some Philadelphia fans may not appreciate that yeah. sort of talk. I don't think John will appreciate that kind of talk because he's from Lancaster, and he said he wanted to watch the Mighty Eagles. Yeah. Watch the Mighty Eagles fall, perhaps. <laughs> it's free season anyway. I mean, who really cares? <laughs> we'll put a link to D's on our website. We sent John back the information, so he probably already has it. Chris from Indiana wrote in. He just wanted to tell us that he liked the show, and he wanted to plug a uh, craft beer festival that he found in his neck of the woods. Southern Indiana Craft Beer Festival. It's boasting 75 to 100 craft brewers from Indiana wow. and Kentucky. So that sounds great. That's another big one. They have the great taste of the Midwest up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to have this one not too far away in southern Indiana. I want to go. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Tony D. from North Carolina wrote in. He had a suggestion about the getting beer, wives and girlfriends turned on to beer. He suggested some of these mixes. In Germany, they have one We should mention not just girlfriends, but I mean anybody who's just not into beer. Sure. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a female. You don't want to be sexist (laughs) or effeminate a man who doesn't like beer. My brother-in-law doesn't like beer. And he actually, he drinks Budweiser because of the lack of taste. He doesn't like anything with flavor. (laughs) 
So that's why he drinks Bud. Well, if, I get, if you're going to drink something for lack of taste, <laughs> good choice. Yeah. But he's not too proud to be seen with, like, a strawberry margarita or daiquiri or something either. <laughs> Sex on the beach, please. <laughs> good thing he doesn't listen. <laughs> he said, why not try a Radler? It's a drink in Germany. It's a mix of beer and lemon lime soda. It's considered particularly refreshing in the summertime, although a little effeminate. Yeah. And he also mentioned this other one, which I'm not sure how much I'd like this one, but it's a Michelada from Mexico. It has a salted rim glass like a margarita. They squeeze in several green lemons and some ice cubes and fill the rest with beer. <laughs> and he asked what we thought about this. He didn't know if it would be heretical, us, you know, pr- suggesting these mixes or whatnot. And at first I th- was thinking, you know, no, we don't want to mix beer. We want to enjoy the flavor of beer. If they're uh-huh. going to dilute the flavor, they might as well drink what they like in margaritas or right. daiquiris or whatnot. I'm still but thinking then, that way. But then I started thinking, this might get them accustomed to the taste of beer. It might be a very good gateway well, there drug. Are, but the, the ones where you, you're salting the rim of the glass and putting lime juice in and then ice cubes, that's, that's altering it too much from my perspective. Well, I wasn't using these two examples, but something else that's... Because I've heard of other soda beer mixes or beer with other liqueur mixes. And my first opinion was, no, that's, that's bla- that is blasphemy. You know, uh-huh. Why ruin these good craft beers? But I could see how you could get my wife used to... That flavor of beer a little bit more, and maybe a little farther down the road, it will get her into the beer. It might actually be a good stepping stone. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be, I guess, interesting experiment to try, but don't put me anywhere in your... No, I'm not going to drink it either. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll use, you know, cheap beer. I'm not going to pour yeah. one of these beers we're tasting tonight and, and But if you're using with... cheap beer, then you're, not, then you're not getting somebody used to the good taste of beer, and so it's going to fail anyway. Yeah, that's a very good point. So... We're undecided, Tony, whether that's a good idea or not. <laughs> Sorry, Tony, we appreciate the comments, but I, I personally don't, I can't see myself doing that. It just it seems like you're ruining a good beer. Okay, we had Corey write in, and he was listening to our extra shows, and he was using iTunes, and he wasn't sure how to get our extra podcast feed into iTunes. I keep iTunes installed, just so I can make sure we're still standing, showing up under the beer right, searches, right. and but I don't use it for downloading podcasts. My iTunes finally opened up. Under the advanced menu, there's an option called subscribe to podcast. And it opens up a little dialog box window and just pastes the address for the the extras URL in there. Okay. Sounds good. So good to know to get our extras feed into the podcast. And then our last email for today is Patrick. He wanted to remind us that Greg has, in fact, had a colch. I mentioned that I didn't have a colch. I hadn't had a colch before. I don't think that um, Patrick... Well, no, said. Patrick didn't know that Greg had, in fact, had a Kolsch, but he mentioned that Alaskan Summer Ale was a Kolsch. And when I came back from the beer cruise last year, I brought some Alaskan beers and had Greg over and we did a tasting. Yeah. And one of them was the Summer Ale. So, so we both before. forgot that Greg had had a Kolsch. Little and, did we know. <laughs> yep. So thanks, Patrick, for re- refreshing our memories. Thanks very much. All okay. Right, that's all we have for email. We're on to our next segment, our new <laughs> segment that we got some fun feedback for. Should we do the whole sound thing again? Sure. Remember what one it was? I think it was like 72. What beer? No, it's not that one. (laughs) Our new segment, What Beer Am I? What Beer Am I? (laughs) Okay, the effects are off. (laughs) Okay, so last last week we had some clues. We had three people writing with the correct answer. We had Mike from Amherst, sorry, Amherst, New Hampshire, John from Baltimore, and Scott from Morgan Hill, California. They guessed Allagash Odyssey. That's correct. 
that that was the beer that we picked. We had no wrong guesses, interestingly enough. No. So either people couldn't figure it out or didn't want to play the game. Right. But we got enough positive feedback. And we got some other f- emails from people saying that they liked they like it as it, yeah. a segment. So we have a new What Beer Am I this week? So here's the four clues. I am a Russian Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm 11.5% alcohol by volume. You'd expect that out of an Imperial to be high alcohol. That's that's some of the more higher ones. Yeah. So that's going to help you narrow it down a little bit. I am available from October to March. So you're a seasonal. My brewery is greater than 40 degrees north latitude. Way to, way to narrow it down there, Jeff. <laughs> so you're going to have to get out your globes and find out where 40 degrees north latitude is to figure out what breweries you can eliminate. So if you have a guess, send in your answers to beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you win, you'll get a mention. Yep, you'll get a mention, and you'll get to feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Hopefully from drinking a Russian Imperial Stout. Yeah, but you don't win one, sorry. No, unfortunately. Don't have that kind of cash yet. Maybe someday, when we get like rich and famous, we can have things like prizes for people, and maybe even stereo sound. <laughs> We'll see that you're getting way ahead of yourself there, Jeff. <laughs> All right, uh, our beer this week is the Belgian saison. As we said at the very beginning of the show, saisons are a sturdy farmhouse style that is traditionally brewed in the winter to be consumed throughout the summer months. It's a session style beer. They can be different alcohol ranges. They start yeah. from around five and they go up to eight. So okay. they're so, they're like yeah, they're session. It well, that's still a little high for a session, yeah. but there's. Mild saisons and then there's strong saisons. It's a very complex style. Yeah, I mean, we're just looking at the kind of taste you can expect. Some of the main things you're going to get is you're going to get very fruity in the aroma and the flavor. The yeast is going to give you a little bit of an earthy tone, a moderate tartness. There's going to be a lot of spice. Bitterness is going to be in medium. It's not going to be too hoppy and bitter. It's going to have a semi-dry finish and just not too much sweetness to them, though. So they're going to be pretty dry. We expect these to be considerably different from most of the beers we've tried before because we've been trying mostly types of beers that have been kind of inherited as American styles. and Not necessarily that they are American styles, but they're the more popular ones to be made in America. Uh, this is more of a it's sort of a different kind of beer, a different, different approach to beer. This beer was... I guess you could say on the endangered species list mm-hmm. until the American brew pub started picking it up. So you're going to find that this is thriving in American brew pubs, but it's not going to be a style that every brew pub is going to have yeah. on. Maybe once in a while. Our local bottle shop, we were only able to get three beers for tonight. Right. Three beers we're going to be tasting. I guess we can mention these now. Yeah. We're going to have Yards Saison. Yards is from Philadelphia. We tasted their stuff. Their so, pale ale. We their had. pale ale on the pale ale show. We have... Omegang Hennepin, which is supposedly a very good saison style. Omegang, we had their vit. Yeah, we had their vit. And the last one we're going to try is uh, it's a special special bottle of beer. <laughs> it's Heavyweight's Saison de la Sueur. And this is one of their one-time, one-place type beers. They changed how their one-time and one-places used to be. It used mm-hmm. to be they'd brew a single seven-barrel batch. They'd keg it. And they would take a keg to like one bar in each of their markets. So I had like a quadruple called Bizarro at the Creek House once. Okay. And it was just there once. That's the only time they brewed it. At the end of 2004, they changed it. And they changed it to one time, one farmhouse with a PF. So they could keep the acronym the same. But it's one time, one farmhouse now. And this was the first beer of it. So there was only seven barrels of this brewed. 
Well, we'll talk about that more when we get to that. If beer. you can't find it, you can come to the bottle shop in Wexford by my house. They still have like three more. So <laughs> if it's, I don't know if it's off the shelves elsewhere, but it's not here by my house. Uh, this the the saison style is we generally suggest forty five to fifty degrees. Uh, foods that generally go with it. They listed uh, curried food, Thai food, mm-hmm. so Indian and Thai would go good with this, which isn't what you would expect with a Belgian. You know, we always think about those spicy type or Eastern Rims nations as yeah. being an IPA or something along those lines. So that'd be interesting to try one of these with a curry or something that's Thai. They also mentioned that it would go with a salad, go with your appetizers. And, and certain types of meat, uh, milder meat. Yeah, poultry fish, fish, shellfish. For cheese, cheese is a little bit different. You got the mild meat, but you have some pretty good cheeses here. Yeah. You got Chambert, Fontina. Which is the earthy kind of cheeses that go with it. You've got some nutty ones like Asiago, Kobe, and Parmesan. And then my favorites, the pungent ones, <laughs> the Gorgonzola and the Limburger. So you're talking about really um, bold cheeses. Yeah. I mean, Camembert is a very bold cheese. Uh, Asiago, bold cheese. Gorgonzola, certainly. Yeah. The, the Kobe is pretty bold for the style that it is. Yeah. Parmesan is probably one of the most mi- mildest one they list there. Parmesan is, I mean, real pure Parmesan is pretty yeah. bold stuff. Yeah, um, I'm used to the powdered stuff most yeah. of the time. <laughs> the sandpaper stuff. <laughs> uh, glassware, we recommend tulip glasses. Tulip or... Um, An oversized wine glass. Right. Also. We're going to use uh, some of our sniffers tonight, since that's probably the best glass we have. They're Collect great the at collecting aroma. The way they're shaped, they collect a lot of the aroma, and that's going to be great for beers like this that have a lot of aroma to them. Serving suggested temperature on this is 45 to 50 degrees, which, which has been just about every beer that we've done yeah. since uh, since we did the Pilsners, I think. And that's 7, seven to 10 degrees Celsius. <laughs> Got to keep our uh, forward-thinking international, international yeah. friends who are stuck we, in the past. It's funny because we talk about American stuff so much, I mean, and most of our beers are from American breweries, but we, we hope we're not alienating any international listeners we do have. No, we'll try to. You know, I was always thinking it'd be nice to have one of the original styles. This uh, week we didn't have any much choice. There's been other weeks we've passed them over because I just thought the craft selections were more interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to give up on imports. Maybe we'll do an import show or we something. We should. We should do something along those lines. And, you know, once we get to the right styles, I'm sure we'll have some Unibrew from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Unibrew is yummy. Uh, okay, well, I guess we're going to start with... Uh, we don't have to stop right now because we took these beers out beforehand. The uh, the Hennepin and the Heavyweight beer, they came in 20 or 750 milliliter bottles. So they would have taken longer to, to come up the temperature. So we took them out when, before we started the show. We're going to start with the Yard Saison because it's the lowest in alcohol. And so we're going to drink these from weak to strong okay. so we don't get impaired and you know our tongue doesn't get powered yeah. over and we can't get the taste. And this is interesting because it says here on the beer fact sheet, recommend them with a slice of orange. That's something that I wouldn't tend to see on a beer fact sheet. Yeah, that's what they say with uh, on their website. And also when the uh, brewer emailed me back, she said a lot of people drink this with orange. I believe I believe they said they used um, some orange peel in the, the recipe. I'm not one that generally likes putting fruit in the beer, but if the brewer recommends it, that's a different story. Most brewers wouldn't. I don't think I have any oranges here, unfortunately, so we can't experiment <laughs> yeah. with that. Uh, it's pouring uh, a golden color, which is what you would expect out of style. I think we mentioned it would be golden to amber is generally the way it's supposed to look. It's a bottle-conditioned beer, which is to be expected because it's made to be brewed in the winter and kept right. throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. 
And the reason why they did that is because in the summer, the beer would stay, but it would typically be too hot to ferment. So they'd brew it in the this winter or, you know, even the spring. Mm-hmm. And when before it got too hot for the fermentation. I and see. then in the summer, they'd put it away and drink it. Well, as you can see, it's, it's cloudy, what you would expect out of bottle-conditioned beer. It's got a, a, a fairly minuscule head, but... Um, Nice looking, regardless. Yeah, I poured this one pretty hard, and it still doesn't have much of a head, so this beer is not like some of the ones we had the last couple of weeks where I had 90% head out of my glass. The smell, I mean, certainly you can tell it's very aromatic beer. I'm getting... The main thing I'm smelling is the, the peppery uh, phenols. There's pepperness, there's almost, it smells, I want to say it smells not like, not what lemongrass smells, tastes like, but what it smells like. Okay, yeah, I'm getting a little bit, I mean, I was thinking lemongrass, like lemony, lemongrass type thing when you were talking. Uh, A little bit of lemony, I guess, too. Sort of a a grassiness with it. Interesting stuff. Okay, this beer is 4.7% alcohol. We said we're starting from lightest to strongest, so. A lot of flavor to it. Crisp. Yeah, very crisp, effervescent. Uh, It's got some fruitiness. The fruitiness really comes at you at the end. You're getting some sort of a little bit of the alcohol. You feel you sort of taste that runoff with some of the freeness. Really don't taste much in the way of hops, but I'm getting sort of around the sides a very citrusy taste with it. A little bit of a grassiness there, like in the aroma. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of grassy. Maybe a little bit of coriander in it. Yeah, a slight hint. It has a dry finish and uh, almost a little. I don't want to take this in a bad way, but almost a little bit chalky. I was going to say that. I can sort of, in the back of your tongue, taste a little bit um, thick. And I guess that, you best describe that as sort of a chalky taste. But it's not a bad, it's not like you're drinking, you're taking antacids chalky. No. It's, it's, it's a good taste and it kind of rounds it out with that crispness that you, that you get immediately. I'd uh, say the mouthfeel is a medium light. It's a, it, I think because of that, that chalkiness and because of the way, it, the clean finish, it's, it's, it's dry. It's pretty dry. Let's roll this up a little bit, see if we can get a little more aroma out of it. Most of the, the flavors aren't lasting so much. They're, I mean, the fruitiness is there a little bit, but then it kind of goes away. And you're left with this, that kind of dryness. Oh, there was one other email we forgot to mention. It was after I prepared the email sheet. It came in yesterday, I think. The guy who wrote in and said, how can you guys do that? You guys suck. Tasting beers. And the, they were talking about the episode where we were eating the cheese, too. He's uh-huh. like, how do you expect me to make it to lunchtime <laughs> listening to you guys drinking beer and eating cheese? <laughs> I did read that one, and we, we apologize for that show. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I, I, mean, I made a quick little joke that Craft Beer Radio was sponsored by American Vending mm-hmm. Systems. I wonder what this would taste like. I mentioned that. I wonder what this would taste like with cheese. Because now I can see why... A strong cheese would really bring out some of the extra flavors in this. Yeah, it certainly would. But we promised not to do it because we, we got some bad yeah, feedback. They yeah. didn't like us chomping on the crackers. So not going to be not going to do it. But next time I have a saison, I might want to have a cheese plate with me. And if you guys are going to have saisons, check it out. Try some strong cheese. Yeah, I could certainly imagine how we would taste all kinds of different little tidbits out of this mm-hmm. beer with the different cheeses. It's funny because. I wonder how this would go with other food. I and mean, we, we talked about the type of food. Would a strong food go well with it too? Would that just fill your mouth with too much? I could I could see the seafood for sure. Yeah. The shellfish. A good red snapper with this. Yeah, I could see um, chicken with a, like some kind of light cream sauce or something like uh-huh. that. Um, 
thinking about the Thai food and the curry. I mean, it wouldn't be bad. I just can't, you know, I'm not, the, the flavors aren't coming together yeah. in my mouth and my head right now. No, I agree with you there. I, I don't see that one as much. Interesting, this contains 50% pale malt, 27% wheat malt, and 27% pills. Yeah, Pilsner malt. So, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, you can you really taste that type of malt complexity in there? I, I can't. You can get a little bit of the wheat. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, with the the spiciness from the the yeast and everything, it was a little bit subdued and a little bit hidden. But now that you said that, I'm able to taste some of the wheat malt in there. I, I taste some of the spiciness a little bit around that that crispness when you first drink it, but that goes away pretty quickly. And I'm also getting a little bit of the well the spiciness from the noble hops that are in this too. This is available in the spring and summertime, so it is a spring and summer seasonal. This is finishing up. Nicely. We mentioned yards before, but let's go back over some of the brewery. They're available in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, D.C., Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Basically northeastern. Yep. They produce around 10,000 barrels a year. They started in 1994, and they're based out of Philadelphia. Interesting. Connecticut, Rhode Island, but not New York. Yeah, that is interesting. You'll find a link to this beer and the website on our website, obviously. Mm-hmm. We list... If you haven't checked out our website, if you just found us on iTunes and never gone to our website, we link to all the beers that we've tasted, reviews of the beers. Not our reviews, but reviews off a website. And we link to the brewery so you can get all the information about everything we tasted there. And we try to link anything relevant that we talk about in the show as well. As well as a great area where you can give comments. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and I guess we should plug the domain name, shouldn't we? It is www.craftbeerradio.com. And there are two R's in there at the end of beer and the beginning of radio. Right. All right. You How do you with... think this would taste with a slice of orange? It might uh, bring out some extra flavors it would to probably it. Probably taste. Well, obviously, it would taste a little bit citrus yeah. here, but not just from the orange juice. I think it would wake up and taste a little bit citrus here in it. Yeah, I think so too. I think that it was a little mild, probably. Uh, probably going to be. I haven't tried these other two beers, but I expect these are going to be a little bit bolder. Yeah, I would assume so too. But I think. Well, I don't know. I wish I had an orange now to yeah. test it out. <laughs> so you might want if you if you ever see yards, you might want to consider uh, picking up an orange with it too, because like we say, the brewer actually recommends it and might be worth a shot. Uh, our next beer is uh, from Brewery Amagang in Cooperstown, New York. It is Hennepin, their farmhouse saison. Seven point five percent alcohol in this one. We get it in a. 750 milliliter caged and cork bottle caged and cork and it looks like we're going to drink them out of water this one's stronger than the heavyweight but since that heavyweight's at one time one yeah. place i kind of want to save that one for last so i'm cranking off the cage we are locked and loaded <laughs> here comes the cork nice that's a good sound they use styrian goldings and Check Zots for the hops in this, this one. one pours with a beautiful head. Yeah, look at that one. Is this bottle conditioned too? Because it's also kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. I don't think Omegang would do anything that's not bottle conditioned. Yeah, and um, it sort of has the same look. It's a, like maybe a little bit more amber in its color, but it's still sort of straw colored. Yeah, got... I think it's darker than the other one. The other one was kind of a, a, a cloudy straw this one is a light orange almost, I would say. Yeah. The aroma is more 
towards the orange and the lemon scale, I'd say. Yeah, you get a lot more citrus aroma than the yeah. last one. The last one where you got a lot of that peppery in the aroma. This is orange or lemon. Definitely a lot of fruit in the aroma. There's still a bit of that grassiness sort of behind it all. It's sort of almost like freshly mowed grass with some... Freshly mowed orange grass, maybe. <laughs> with some phenolic smells in the background, too. I'm not getting any of the phenols. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm getting, getting a lot of the fruit. There. I'm getting... Uh, I'm not getting too much of... You know, other traditional... I'm not smelling... I don't smell any of the bready yeast. I don't smell, you know, the other uh, type of esters you could get, you know. Really? Because I'm definitely smelling almost like a cracked pepper. Way It's way in the back there. It's, it's behind some other scents, but it, it's there. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I hate saying wow. I gotta stop saying wow. This one is very carbonated. Very carbonated. It was a mouthful of bubbles when you took the sip. And it hits you right away with some pretty strong flavors. Yeah, um, all the carbonation there really, it had a really sharp, flavorful taste when you took that sip. Yeah, definitely different from the yards. And the reason I said wow is because it was like a punch in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that both of these have some, one thing similar is that there's sort of an alcoholic burnt. It's not really burnt, but you can... Taste some of the alcohol kind of evaporate and leave some other taste on your yeah. tongue. Sipping this one, you can really taste the alcohol. And I was reading the uh, the style guide for the um, the BJCP, which is the uh, Brewer Craft. Uh, it's the judging program. I forget what the acronym stands for. And I was reading up about what a style should be, and it said that you can get some alcohol flavor, but it shouldn't be hot and solventy. Yeah. And I guess this isn't quite that far yet, but it, it's pretty close, I think, wouldn't you say? Well, no, because, yeah. I mean, I actually, I sort of agree that, that, you know, you're getting an alcohol flavor, but you're not getting the kind of warming from the alcohol that you would typically expect from, okay. say, an imperial stout. You're, you're getting that kind of the alcohol evaporation, which tends to concentrate other flavors on your tongue. And it's a, it's, it's a different type of flavor that you would normally get from beer. So I think it um, it complements the style pretty well. It really helps the freeness come out as that stuff evaporates. You're getting um, a lot of freeness, like right on the tip of your, or not around the tip, but more around the the back of your tongue and the center of your tongue. Yeah, a little bit flaring on the sides. This sort of orangey taste, closest to an orange, maybe with a little bit of mango in there. I'd say this is really, it's, this is yelling poultry at me. Okay. It's screaming chicken. It's screaming duck. On Domagang's webpage, they mentioned some fare. They're like rustic fare, such as quiche, bread, cheeses, roasted chicken, mm-hmm. freshwater fish, including selfish, especially lobster. And it pins lobster, I can coriander see and ginger notes lend themselves to... Ginger, yes, there's definitely ginger in here. Composed to spicing in Asian cuisines. Goes well with Thai and Indian, sushi, Mongolian hot pots. I don't pots, think sushi would go too well with this. Fried fish, spare ribs, and Peking duck. Duck, like I said. I don't think sushi would go too well with this. I think this is too much too much fruitiness for the sort of vinegary side. No, they said shellfish, especially lobster. I don't... I couldn't imagine drinking, eat, drinking this with a lobster. It, well, maybe. I mean, lobster is rich uh, and sort of fluffy. In his taste. Okay. I could see this going with a lobster 
But I think duck is probably duck or some sort of poultry is probably your best choice. I agree. I chicken and duck I think would be very good with this. Yeah, a nice rotisserie roasted chicken mm, go really well with this because I mean that's I'm almost getting that sort of taste in my mouth just from the aftertaste of this beer. Really. At the same time, I'm not matching this with cheeses very much because there's. I mean, I don't know what you'd say, but I mean, there's just so much flavor here yeah. and so much carbonation. I just couldn't see how. It would go well with the cheese. I could maybe see it going with some of the nuttier flavored cheese, like an Asiago. Okay. Uh, like, or definitely not a Gorgonzola. No, Gorgonzola would, would just, it, it would almost taste bad, I think, with this sort of beer. They'd, they'd fight each other out. Yeah. Some, because they're just so different tasting. Yeah, it, they don't it, complement. It'd be like, it'd be like brushing your teeth and having a beer. You ever try that? <laughs> Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> I don't know if I ever brushed my teeth and had beer, but it's probably taste similar to brushing yeah. your teeth and having orange juice. Yes. Similar sort of taste. It's like, ooh, oh, yay. Not good. Um, but this is very good. Alma Gang hopes to get 8,000 barrels this year. Yeah. Cross their fingers. Yep. They, I asked them how much, and they said they hope to do 8,000 barrels. We talked before about their cave-age beers, and we didn't really know the details. Right. We talked about when we were talking about the um, the Vit. The Vit. The, we just mentioned that Alma Gang had cave-age beers. And I got a little more information. They age them in a cave that is near their brewery, six, 560 feet down. It's called Howl's, Howl's Cavern. They leave it underground tour, so it's kind of like Laurel Caverns in Uniontown near yeah. us. Wonder how many? wonder how the stalactites and stalagmites will look. Maybe they have like crazy, like there's a witch and there's a doctor and there's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I've never seen that. Do they have that at Laurel Caverns? Or? I think they have something along those lines. Okay. Oh, yeah, there is like a little thing when you go in. And then when you tour the whole caverns, you can crawl around in the dirt and stuff. Right. Stuff. But anyway... It's just a method for them to age their beers, so they mellow a little bit, they get more complex. They could just as easily do it in their warehouse, but it's not really as cool. Yeah, and say, hey, we put him in a cave, everybody. The, the person who wrote me back, I believe his name Let's was Kevin. Let's go spelunk for some beer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he said you could buy the fresh beer and age it in your cellar, and you know you pretty much get the same thing. You can only get the cave-aged beers at the brewery. So they don't ship it out at all. So oh, well. it's a nice little bonus you can get. You can go to visit Oma Gang in Cooperstown. Hey, you go into Baseball Hall of Fame. You also go to a brewery. And then get a cave-age beer to bring home. Exactly. But like you say, you could probably age it in your, in your basement. It'd be just the same effect. You should uh, dig a hole in your backyard and throw the beer in there and cover it over. 500, how, 560 feet down? Oh, we don't have to go that deep. <laughs> You'll get the label dirty just like how the How hard can that beers. be? I just take my shovel. do 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 Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is a bigger bottle, so we still got more here to drink. Yeah. I was thinking about saving it until, like, the after show, but Greg poured us two more glasses here, so. <laughs> Maybe we'll save the other one for the after show. The whole thing? No, not the oh, whole thing. Oh, the rest Just of it. The rest yeah, sure. of it, right. You know what? I'm getting a little more of the, uh, the the peppery phenol aroma now in this second bit. You know why? There's probably more yeast in this That's one. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I Greg poured mine very the last, and if I remember right, he wasn't very gentle. No, with no, it. no. I poured mine, but then you poured yours. Oh, I poured it. Okay, yeah. well then I forgot to be gentle with it. <laughs> Man, I want to blame Greg. But yeah, since I got more yeast in this, pretty sure you did. Were we supposed to spend the yeast in this and in the yards? I don't think so. Like a hefeweizen? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, if we did, then I guess we're kind of getting what we're supposed to have here. 
I didn't see that in the description, in the style description. Yeah, I didn't see it either, but I think I think Yards recommended it. Hmm. it might have changed the Yards considerably, having some... Yeah. Room. Rats. Oh, well. Sorry, Yards. <laughs> Too many things going on at once. Yeah. Trying to figure out, you know, trying to put on a podcast. <laughs> and drink Who would have thought such a thing was possible? Omegang is distributed in a bunch of states... With some exceptions, we have about 10 states are not available in Michigan, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, South Carolina, North Dakota, South Dakota, West Virginia, Hawaii, Iowa, and Minnesota. Right. Well, it's interesting because North Carolina is not on that list and North Carolina popped the cap. So they should have... Is that now? That was like Monday or is it next Monday? I think it's next Monday. Right. But they should be able to sell this beer very soon. 7.5%, 7.5%, so it's over their original cap, but considerably so, under their new cap. By the time a lot of people hear this, they'll be able to buy these beers in North Carolina. Awards. What sort of awards has this beer won? This beer won the Great American Beer Festival Gold Medal in 2004 for its style. And it won a bronze at the World Beer Cup in 2004. How old is this beer then? I mean, 2004 it won awards, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure when they started brewing it. I didn't get that information. But it's it, brewed year-round. It's yeah. not a session. Available year-round. Its bitterness is 25 IBUs. Not like that really matters for this style of beer. Yeah. I mean, you don't really taste much in the way of hoppiness but at all. It, or the bitterness. Yeah. The hoppiness and bitterness, are, again, are different. It, but let's just mention it for people who are keeping track of how bitter every beer we taste is. If you have it somewhere written down. Yep. The score sheet. <laughs> Like we said, Cooperstown, New York. Nice, uh, nice city. If um, well, not exactly a city, nice town. Okay, I've been there before. I've been went to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and it's before you knew about Omegang, huh? Yes, this was when I was a teenager. Oh, okay, um, I'd like to go back. I don't remember there being much to the town. I think it's considerably bigger now, but still, it was a nice place. I, I enjoyed being there. I wasn't as much into baseball then as I am now, so it's too okay. bad. I would have really appreciated the Hall of Fame now. I was hoping to get up there sometime this summer, check out the brewery. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to or not. Actually, next week when we're off, I was going to try to talk Heather into it, but she pretty much <laughs> shot down every attempt I've had so far. It's quite a drive from here. I mean, Is it? It's still okay. eight hours or so. I can't think of this. Yeah, we're going to go up, spend the night, check out that brewery. I was hoping I could stop at maybe Southern Tier. Yeah. Or some other places, you know, in the same trip. But she doesn't seem to want to do a beer journey this <laughs> summer. Hey, you know you're a beer geek if your vacations revolve around beer. This isn't really changing that much as it gets warmer. It still has most of the same taste there. Yeah, the like I said, with the second glass, the aroma is pepperier. The second glass also doesn't taste as fizzy. Mm-hmm. Like that first sip was just exploding in your mouth. Right. I think it was just the difference in taste from this in the yards also contributed to that a lot. Yeah. So this is, it's, you know, a lot of the CO2 has worked its way out as we drank this. So it doesn't explode in your mouth like it used to. That was, wow, did that explode in your mouth. That, sure did. Mouth that first sip. Still has a lot of the same flavors, but it's a little more uh, fuller mouthfeel now. It's because of the lack of the crazy amounts of CO2. Right. It doesn't punch you as much as it used to because the CO2 enhances certain flavors, and now that's a little bit mellower. It still has plenty of flavor to it, 
but it's it's a little mellower now that it's worked some of its energy out of the yeah. beer. It almost the remainder smells almost a little bit flowery. That the sort of grassiness is gone. I'm just getting just a little bit of floweriness. Okay. It's a nice beer to really just stick back and it is this is more of a sipping beer than anything else, I think. I, I wouldn't call this a gulp 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 beer. It's good. It's good. We're going to move on to our last beer of the night, which is the Saison de Lesseur Goldon. Ooh. Gonna put a little French thing into it. Goldon. Goldon. And uh Heavyweight brewed two versions of this at different times. They did the golden one first, which is this one. Uh-huh. And they have a dark as well. This is really interesting because heavyweight is a pretty small brewery. In the in the essence that they have an annual production of six hundred barrels. Yeah, I emailed them to find out if that was right because that sounds extra small. And I couldn't imagine that they only do that many, but they didn't get back to me before showtime. Hmm. Well, maybe they didn't have any staff because they only brew six hundred barrels anyway. But I mean, heavyweight seems to. Be more well-known. At least in this area. Yeah. They seem to have a lot of beer in a lot of places, and only be 600 barrels seems awful small. It's interesting. They're uh, from Ocean Township, New Jersey. Started in 1999. And uh, like uh, like the Gang, this is also hopped with Zotz and Styrian Goldings. Made with malted and unmalted wheat and gently spiced with sweet woodruff. That is interesting. As I said earlier, did I say it earlier? Yeah, this is their one-time, one-place beer. So they only made a single seven-barrel batch and bottled it. So it might be very hard to come by. We don't have the states that Heavyweight is distributed in because they don't have it on their website. And, well, they didn't get back to me in time with their email. We imagine with 600 barrels, it's not going to be a very large distribution area. No. You're going to be lucky to find it. If you haven't had Heavyweight or haven't heard of Heavyweight, they make some... Pretty good beers. They have um, their Stick and Jab Alt Beer, which is one of the few alt beers you see from craft breweries. Mm-hmm. And pretty good. And really good. I like it a lot. Probably one of their most interesting is the Heavyweight Percunos Hammer Imperial Porter. Mm. It's a, it's a, so it's a porter that's stronger, kind of like, you know, you get from an Imperial Stout, but it has all kinds of prune and... All these wow. all, all these flavors. And we're going to have to taste it sooner or later, but oh, it's, it's a good beer. A beer called the Altus OSV, which is just their special ale. And it, it's just a big, strong beer with lots of flavor. It's pretty malty. They have one called Cinderbock, which is their Bock beer. I don't like it that much because I'm... I'm not a uh, big fan of Bocks. I think Bocks are too sweet. They have a Lunacy Belgian ale. Oh, and their old salty barley wine they make every year. And that's... Seems like a lot of beers for 600 barrels, doesn't yeah. it? Well, they, they make about six or seven different beers. Um, if you can get them, and you see them at the beer distributor, their variety case is one of the best variety cases out there. There's no throwaway beers in the variety mm. case. So I would recommend that if you want to get an exposure to heavyweight, four different kinds, for a reasonable price, the variety case is a good way to go. So well, let's talk about the Saison de la Sueur. Yes, it's, uh, it's got... Um, it's an orange. Yeah, sort of an orange color. Uh, to it, not much of a head. Uh, I don't really remember how much the head was. I don't think it was that big. No, I could. I poured it. You know, I started to pour it, and still it wasn't much head, so I poured it harder. But it still, didn't, still didn't get that big. It wasn't anything like what we got from Oma Gang's head. I'm getting more of a grassiness to it than the other ones. Yeah, I'm smell. not getting much citrus. I'm getting a grass mostly in the aroma. Yeah, 
with I mean there's some backing there there's a little bit of the pepperiness and there's something in there I'd say boy it it it's sort of a a, a sweet citrus ooh take a sip of that it's a very dry taste mm it tastes rather whiny it tastes a little bit lambic yeah it's got a sourness to it there's definitely sourness to it so you like think, a lambic or or a brune <laughs> it's so sour and tart that, and yeah i guess you know grand cruz we, we mentioned before they're not necessarily always belgian strong ales right cantillons is a lambic so it's a whole very tart beer it it's reminiscent to this but but more sour Kind of reminds me of an outbrew in, in in or or old brown, um, in the sour souriness to it. There's sort of a, a wine presence to the beer. Mm-hmm. Like, Definitely different from the other two beers that we've had. It, if you're wondering what sort of wine it gravitates to, I'd say more of a white wine in terms of the souriness and, and the character. Uh, so like a white wine, fish, poultry. Yeah. Um, this is this one will go well with food. I think almost any food. That pairs well with a white wine. This would go well with. Yeah, this is. I this is probably the best beer tonight that would go good with a nice yeah. dinner because it's dry and it just has a little bit of that tartness to it. Yeah, I mean the, the taste really kind of disappears after a little bit, uh, so it you know coats your tongue and then goes away. Um, trying to figure out what I mean. Primarily, the one thing we're getting is the souriness. So I'm going to try to pick out some other flavors that are coming out there. I had to say there's just there's a viney, grapey taste to it. Just... Yeah. This was bottled on March 5th. So it's been aging since then. At the bottle shop, it was kept refrigerated, so it wasn't cellaring at all. And, uh... and I'd say it tastes like a sparkling wine. It's It's not like a champagne because it doesn't have that kind of character to it. But it's got, um, it's, it's a beery wine in a sense. Yeah, it's hard to pick up other flavors, but it's really easy to enjoy that, that mm-hmm. tartness, that sourness that's in there. It's kind of like that Cantillon Grand Cru that I had. Yeah. Very tart and sour, but I don't want to say one-dimensional because that's just an overpowering flavor and it's hard to get, but you can really enjoy that flavor while you're drinking it. The, the taste is really hitting you on sort of the back quarters of your tongue and the roof of your mouth. And that's where you're getting most of the flavor. The front of your tongue is is almost completely dry uh and so is the very middle of your tongue whereas the back of your tongue is getting a little bit of that sort of alcoholic taste to it hmm i wish i would have got the email back from the brewer to tell me yeah. a little bit more about this beer and these have all been it interesting it, it because the last five or six shows we've done well four or five shows we've done have been featured beers that have been the same style but have been way different and this is the same way tonight Yep. Well, I knew this beer would be not an ordinary beer yeah. of the style because it's the heavyweights, one time one farmhouse, or one time only farmhouse. They changed the acronym to. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I, I enjoy that it has that sourness, that that little bit of lambic yeah. character, to, character to it. I mean, one of the things I really like about doing shows like this is that we really we're getting so many different flavors in one night. And that's again, we're craft beer radio. The beauty of craft beer. Is just how many different things you can get out of beer. How wonderful it is you can take one style and just get so many different tastes from it. Uh, a guy like me who loves getting, who loves trying different things, be it food, drink, whatever, 
loves the fact that there is something like this that you can just sort of grab one off, go to the bottle shop, grab a whole bunch, and just get different tastes all the time. Yep. All right, so you want to get into ranking these? Well, hmm. yeah, okay. I'm going to maybe surprise you a bit and go for the Hennepin as my favorite. Okay. Um, not that this isn't good at all. That I mean, this this heavyweight is good. I like it. But if I were to pick something that I'd want to go with, you know, just like give show off to people, say this is a saison, and certainly try with with a good meal. I'd love to get some barbecue church or some rotisserie chicken and bring out the hennepin. Then I would say the heavyweight just because. Heck yeah, this is good beer. Yeah. And uh, the Yards is unfortunately last, but it's not a bad beer. It's it just it, it, it kind of it, – it's it's offloaded on the scale. It doesn't have quite the same presence yeah, as the other two. not quite as full as the other two. I don't think even with the yeast it would have had the same presence. Yeah. I think it would have helped some, but I just think it would have, it would have tasted like the little brother to right. these other two beers. It's not bad, but if you're looking for a good style for Saison, I would try one of these other ones first. Ranking these again is very hard. Depends on what I wanted to do with the beer. Mm-hmm. I always have these ifs and ors in my right. rankings. <laughs> but it, it's I'm just trying to explain and be honest here. If I wanted to show someone a good first impression of a Saison, I would show them the Hennepin. If I myself wanted to pick something to go with dinner, I would pick the Heavyweight. Mm. I just like this drier, tart. I think this would go better with certain kinds of food. Than the Hennepin would. I can see that. But rankings are just rankings. Yeah, rankings are just rankings. Rankings don't get you to enjoy the flavor. Exactly. And and like we say, I mean, there's so many different enjoyable tastes in all these beers that we don't want to imply at all that one is necessarily better than the other. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for episode nine of Craft Beer Radio. I think so. Again, we'd like to remind you that we will be off the air next week, but we will be back in two weeks with a whole new show. Thank you very much. And tune in to our extras. You can find those at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, please, we'll, we'll say it again one more time. Vote for us at podcasthigh.com. Right. There'll be a link on our website. Thanks very much. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Hey!